بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين وصلى الله على نبينا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه وسلم We continue the explanation of عمدة الأحكام and we have reached hadith number 62 عن أبي جحيفة وهب بن عبد الله السوائي رضي الله عنه قال أتيت النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم وهو في قبة له حمراء من أدم قال فخرج بلال بوضوء فمن ناضح ونائل قال فخرج النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم وعليه حلة حمراء كأني أنظر إلى بياض ساقيه قال فتوضأ وأذن بلال فجعلت أتتبع فاه ها هنا وها هنا يقول يمينا وشمالا حي على الصلاة حي على الفلاح ثم ركزت له عنزة فتقدم وصلى ركعتين ثم لم يزل يصلي ركعتين حتى رجع إلى المدينة On the authority of Abu Juhayfa Wahb bin Abdullah Aswa'i He reported on the authority of his father radiallahu anhu He said I came uh, to the messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam in Mecca Wahwa fi qubbatin lahu hamra And he was at that time at Al-Abtah Which is a place in Mecca in a red leathered in a red red leather tent من ادم from leather قال فخرج بلال and بلال stepped out with ablution water for him وضوء and what was left out of that water some of them got it Whereas others could not get it. Or some got few of it and some got much of what was left out of that water which the Prophet ﷺ used. And those who got it rubbed themselves with it. Then the Messenger وسلم, stepped out with a red mantle on him and I was catching a glimpse of the whiteness of his shanks. And the narrator said he وسلم, performed the ablution and Bilal pronounced adhan and I followed his mouth as he turned this side and that as he said on the right and the left Come to prayer, come to success. A spear or spear was then fixed for him on the ground. He stepped forward and said two rak'ah of dhuhr. He then said two rak'ah of the asr prayer and then continued saying two rak'ah till he came back to Medina. Alayhi salatu wassalam. The narrator is Abu Juhayfa Wahb 
bin Abdullah al-Suwa'i radiyallahu anhu. He came to the Prophet when he was young and he took from him and it was said that he did not reach the age of puberty until uh, or when the Prophet died. When the Prophet died, it is said that he did not reach the age of puberty when the Prophet died. He accompanied Ali radiallahu and Ali radiallahu anhu assigned him on the Muslim treasury in Kufa, in Iraq. And he used to call him Wahab al-Khayr, Wahab of goodness. Tawfiya fi al-Kufa, he died in al-Kufa in the year 46 or 64 rather, after al-Hijrah. What is the subject matter of this hadith? Many matters are important in this hadith. And what is relevant to the chapters we are discussing regarding Adhan is the ruling concerning turning to the side while pronouncing come to prayer, come to success. And we begin discussing some of the words of the hadith. When he said, I came to the Messenger وسلم, this was in Mecca. As you see, during Hajjat al during the farewell pilgrimage of the Prophet And the Prophet وسلم, then was residing in Al-Abtah. And this is a place in Mecca. And it is known. Now, everyone knows where is Al-Abtah in Mecca. And he was in a in a tent, in a red leather tent. Bilal is known. We spoke of his biography uh, when we discussed Hadith 61, which preceded this Hadith. The other thing is that the companions took from the ablution of what remained of the ablution some taking little, some taking more. Then the Prophet ﷺ stepped out of this tent wearing a red mantle. But this is not purely red. It is striped with red. This is not purely red. And he mentioned here, and I was catching a glimpse of the witness, or I'm sorry, of the whiteness of his shanks. Why he described them by white? Because they were against the red. Why he is mentioning this? He is mentioning this to verify uh, the, the, the vividity of his uh, presence and uh, observation. Is that clear? So the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam made the wudu and then he said I followed 
him with my sight uh, and uh, looking and when he said uh, that Bilal pronounced the Adhan I followed his mouth as he turned the side and that as he said on the right and the left come to prayer come to success a prayer a success is attaining what is sought and being safe from what is feared this is the meaning of success and Bilal put for him a spear and then the Prophet ﷺ made two rak'ah for Salat al-Dhuhr and he continued to do the shortening of the prayers in twos the Dhuhr and Asr while he was in Mecca until he returned to Medina. So here Abu Juhayfa is telling us that he came to the Prophet ﷺ while he was in Hajjat al-Wada' in Al-Abtah and the Prophet ﷺ was in a red uh, tent made of leather uh, taking it as a shield from the heat and Bilal came out with the Wadu' Wadu' is different from Wudu' Wadu' is the tool Wudu' is the action is that, is that clear? Wadu' with the Fatha with the movement of Fatha Wadu' is the tool meaning the water and wudu' with the dhamma wudu' this is the action of making the ablution so there is difference between this is like sahur and suhur you remember sahur is the food and suhur is the eating the action the benefits of the hadith benefits of the hadith this hadith contains many benefits and the first one is the first one is the humbleness of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam the humbleness of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam in the sense that his tent was this little tent made of leather right the second thing is taking by the means of protection from harm. Taking by the means of protection. And this is from the perfection of reliance upon Allah. And the means and the means are effective in bringing the good and in protecting from the evils in the sense of what Allah has put in them not in themselves is that clear? not in themselves they mean in themselves but in what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had put in them they are effective from this angle independently without what Allah had uh, instilled in them then they are not not on their own so taking by the means knowing that the means are effective in this sense then this is from the perfect reliance upon Allah is that clear 
deferred benefit deferred benefit uh, the distribution of the wudu or the wudu meaning the water amongst people fourth benefit accepting the help to bring the water for making wudu and this kind of help has three angles to it the first help in bringing the water there is no harm in this in seeking this help to bring the water as long as the person fears not that the helper may remind him of his favor upon him in the future meaning he is not of this kind the helper reminding him of his charity or favor upon him you understand if the person does not fear that this person may be a manan reminding him of his charity in the future says you remember on that day when I brought you that water and so forth I did this favor to you then in this case there is no harm in seeking the uh, the help of bringing the water this is first angle the second for the person to seek the help from the others from others to pour the water on to make the wudu is that clear this is the second angle this is permissible this is permissible why the evidence is in the hadith of al-mughir bin shu'ba al-mughir bin shu'ba radiyallahu anhu in the story of wiping the uh, shoes of the prophet sallallahu and in the hadith of usama bin zaid radiyallahu anhu in the hajj when he poured the water for the Prophet ﷺ to make the wudu. Is that clear? So this is, uh, no problem, this is permissible. The third angle, the third angle, to make wudu to others, if they are in need like someone unable, incapacitated. Otherwise it is disliked because there is no action from the person. Contrary to the second angle, because in the second situation when the person seeks the help of someone to pour the water on, he is doing the action of the wudu himself. So these are the three angles concerning seeking help with respect to the wudu the ablution the fifth benefit from this hadith is the permissibility to wear a red or red cloth meaning that most of its uh, make is red but not totally red 
but not totally red, like this tribe. Or like, for example, the thing you see on some men, which is called the shimal, put on the head. It's mostly red, but not totally red, not purely red. Is that clear? The, the sixth benefit, the permissibility to tuck up one's thawb garment, tuck it up, from the side of the shanks this is permissible where is this deducted from the hadith permissibility to tuck up the clothes for the man yes he said I was watching a glimpse of the whiteness of his shanks now the next benefit, yes, that's correct, yes. The next benefit is that the shanks are not awra for the man. The next benefit is that the shanks are not awra. And this is also deducted from this hadith when he saw the glimpse of whiteness of his shanks. Now, the permissibility, number eight, to take uh, for service free men to serve you. Where is this deducted from? Yes, he was a freed slave. The next benefit, the next benefit, it is permissible for the man to make wudu in front of people, especially if he is a leader. Where is this uh, taken from? Where is this taken from? Where is this deducted from in the hadith? He did the wudu outside the tent. No, and there were there were companions around him, right? There were companions around him, and they took from the water, performed the ablution. Yes, that's right. So this indicates the permissibility, and you know, and the narrator saw that. Yes, to make wudu in front of people. Especially if the person is a leader. And teaching by way of action is more profound than teaching by way of saying. So, we know that the Prophet ﷺ one time prayed on the pulpit. And when he was asked, why did you do that? He ﷺ said, so that you take me to be followed and also to follow me in your salah is that clear so he performed the salah on the pulpit so therefore the teaching 
by way by action is more profound than teaching by mere uh, education by word. The tenth benefit. The intense love of the companions of the Prophet ﷺ to the intense love of the Prophet ﷺ by the companions. Where is this taken from in the hadith? Some of them got it where others could not get and those who got it rubbed themselves with. Now, so they took the water. Yes, the love of the companions. Some of them took little, some took more. Now, another benefit, benefit 11, the permissibility of seeking blessing in the remains of the Prophet ﷺ, but this is particular to him only, not to anyone other than him. Is that clear? Where is this taken from? Where is this uh, taken from, from the hadith? In the hadith? Yes. They use the leftover and they rub themselves with it. Is that clear? So no one can take a so-called saint or wali and do this to him. This is only particular to the Prophet the twelfth benefit, twelfth benefit, the permissibility of making adhan or the legality of making adhan in travel as in residence. This is taken in this hadith uh, by the action of Bilal and they were in, on travel, isn't it? They were in Mecca. Also in the hadith of Malik bin Huwairith radiallahu anhu the Prophet sallallahu alayhi If the salah commences then let one of you make the adham and they were coming to the messenger sallallahu alayhi wasallam in trouble and also because the Prophet sallallahu did not leave the adhan uh, nor the iqama whether he was in trouble or in residence and he used also to command Bilal to make the Adhan in trouble. Now, the thirteenth benefit, the thirteenth benefit, the permissibility to look to the side, right and left, while making Hayya ala salah Hayya ala al-Falah. Malik bin Huwayrith Huwayrith and the movement is by the head and the neck while yes Huwayrith H-U-W-A-Y-R-I-T-H correct so the movement by the head and the neck while the body is facing the Qibla while the body is facing the Qibla now, how to do that? How to do that? There are two situations, two ways. One of them is to say, Hayya ala salah, 
turning to the right once. Then Hayya ala salah turning to the left once. And then Hayya ala al-falah come to success turning to the right once. Then turning left and saying Hayya ala al-falah once. This is one way. The other way is to say Hayya ala salah twice to the yameen, to the right. Come to the prayer twice to the right. And then twice moving to the left and this is what is yani the action is upon nowadays the 14th benefit the actions of the companions are proof or are proofs evidence is meaning How this is deducted from from this hadith? How this is deducted from this hadith? That the actions of the companions are a proof as long as they don't oppose a text. If they oppose the text, then the text is the proof. And in the case, the saying of a companion opposes the saying of another companion, then we, leak, we, we, we seek preponderance. But now from this hadith we deduce that the action of the companions is a proof. No. More specific. Did not rebuke what? No. Not correct any of the actions. Not that. Them followed the Prophet's saying. No. He approved what? Bilal turned his head while his body still faced the Qibla. Yani, uh, yani had it not been uh, his action is a proof, he would not have, he would not have. Um, he wouldn't have followed his mouth, right? In the Adhan. Isn't it? You see this? You see that? He followed his mouth in the Adhan. Get, get, the, uh, get the piece, please. Let's get the piece. From the hadith. And I followed his mouth as he turned. And I followed his mouth uh, as he turned. Huh, this side. And that, you know, this indicates what? And had it not been the action of the companion as a proof and evidence, he wouldn't have followed him, you know. So he followed him even to this extent. Is that clear? Now is that clear? Alhamdulillah. But again, you see that? Yes. <laughs> but as long as with the condition that the action of the, of the companion is not in opposition to a text, authentic text, then the authentic text will be the proof. And also, 
if it is in opposition to a saying of the companion, then we look for preponderance. We look for preponderance. You understand? Is that clear? With respect to the actions of the companions and whether it's a proof or not. The 15th benefit of this hadith. The legality to pray towards a sutra. The legality to pray towards a sutra. Sutra which is the object to be put in front of the person praying. Now, uh, to shield him while making the salah. And if it is a, a spear or the like, then the best is to uh, post it upright. And the sunnah, the 16th benefit, is to stand in the center towards the object, towards the sutra. Center, directing your face in its direction towards the qibla. Is that clear? Now, the 17th benefit, the 17th benefit is to use uh, uh, the or take in company a, a spear or the like in travel. And it was from the guidance of the Prophet ﷺ that he used to do that. And there are benefits from this. There are benefits in this. Six benefits in carrying something like that on travel. First, to ward off attackers whether beasts or humans. I'll repeat, inshallah. Yes. To ward off an attack by a, a beast or a human. Is that clear? Clear? Type. Alhamdulillah. Second, to take it as a sutra in prayers. To use it as a sutra in prayers. Thirdly, to lean against it and take it as support in standing and in walking. Is that clear? I repeat, yes. To, to lean, lean against it or support oneself with it while standing or walking. Inshallah, this is obvious. Fourthly, to um, use it for sheep, if someone has sheep with him, right? As in the case with Musa, alayhi salam, as in the case with Musa, alayhi salam, in Surah Taha, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said addressing Musa alayhi salam to use it you know for sheep direct sheep and organize their movement as in Taha 18 shall I repeat? shall I repeat? repeat. we didn't hear number 4 ok to use it uh, you know for people having sheep 
to direct sheep and organize their movements, etc. Is that clear? And in Surah Taha, we, with, Yusuf, with, with Musa alayhi salam, Allah Ta'ala, وَمَا تِلْكَ بِيَمِينِكَ يَا مُوسَى قَالَ هِيَ عَصَايَا أَتَوَكَّأُ عَلَيْهَا وَأَهُشُّ بِهَا عَلَى غَنَمِي وَلِيَ فِيهَا مَآرِبُ أُخْرَى What's in your hand, right hand, O Musa? He said, this is my stick, whereon I, where I lean, and wherewith I beat down branches for my sheep. So this is another benefit. And wherein I find another uses. So they can beat the branches for the sheep. They can direct the sheep with it. Uh, also, from the benefits is to put on one's luggage. You know, and you put the spear or the stick on your shoulder and with luggage hanging on it. The fifth benefit, the fifth benefit, is to use it as uh, a means to carry on, uh, to carry uh, loads or luggage and so forth. A person can use a spear or a stick, put it on his shoulder, having luggage or, you know, on it. So this is a, a means of carrying these loads. Is that clear? Is that clear? The sixth benefit of using it is uh, to put on one's, one's garment on it. One's garment on it. To shield the person if he needs to use he needs to go for the call of nature to respond to the call of nature he can shield himself he can shield himself by putting the spear or the stick and then hang the garment on is that clear? okay so there is, there is still voice handling sound okay the 18th benefit the 18th point of benefit In this hadith there is respond or response to those who say there is no sutra for a person if he is in Mecca. This is weak opinion. Well, the evidence in this hadith is clear, right? The evidence in this hadith is clear. And also the general evidence, if someone of you prays, let him pray having an object towards an object and then they draw near to the object and draw near to the object so therefore it is forbidden to pass in front of the musalli it is forbidden to pass in front of the musalli in the masjid al-haram in the sacred mosque and other than that in all mosques because of the general evidences except for those who may be praying nafil in the paths of people in the haram they are the ones who are transgressing so there is no inviolability with respect to them they should move away from the paths of people while performing their nafli prayers the 19th benefit the permissibility to shorten the four 
numbered prayers from the time the Musafir, the traveler, leaves the boundaries, the homes with, uh, of his town until he returns to his town. Now, and the Prophet ﷺ continued saying two rak'ah till he came back to Medina. But it is not permissible for the person to combine the two prayers, Dhuhr and Aisha, Dhuhr and Maghrib, I'm sorry, Dhuhr and Asr, Maghrib and Aisha, in his hometown, until he leaves the town, unless he fears that it will not be possible for him to pray the next prayer while in trouble. The next benefit, benefit number 20, the traveler shortens the four rak'ah prayer, even though he may be in the town where he previously got married, or he previously took as a home of residence. What's the proof in this hadith? He continued to see the Prophet ﷺ lived in Mecca before, exactly. And he married, he got married in Mecca before, right? He got married to in Mecca before, right? Exactly, it was his previous place of residence, and he got married there. طيب. To whom he was married there? To whom he, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, was married there? To whom? To Khadija radiallahu anha. That's right. But in case if someone is married in Medina and married in Mecca, then in this case he doesn't shorten the prayer because these are places of residence. The 21st benefit. This is the last benefit here. A shared thing, if it is not specified, if the part of the share is not specified, then it is permissible for the person to take what he is able to take from it. However, this is not the case. If this, if this thing uh, is divided, for example, to say this thing is between you, in this case it is to be divided over the number of people. But if it is a generally common or shared, and it was not specified the share of each person, then the person may take uh, what he is able uh, to receive or take uh, yes, what he is able to take from it this is not the case of course if this is said that this thing is to be between you then in this case it will be divided where is this? yes, this is taken from the left out of water the left out of water some of them got a uh, little of it others get more right? 
That's that's the evidence in the hadith. A question, uh, an additional point of benefit. Question and a benefit. How to perform the salah in travel if a person is in a plane? The, the answer is, if the time of the salah, the obligatory salah, commences while you are in a plane, then don't pray it in the plane, rather wait until you land. If there is ample time, unless there is a particular place in the plane, whereby you can use to perform the salah perfectly, completely, directing yourself toward the qibla, making ruku' and sujood, and standing and sitting, then in this case, pray it in the plane at the time of commencement of the salah. If, however, there is no place set in the plane, for the prayers, and you fear that the specified and the prescribed time of the Salah may end before the plane lands, then in this case, if this particular Salah could be combined to that which is next to it, or after it, like Dhuhr with Asr, Maghrib with Isha, and it is possible that the plane lands before the time of the second salah ends, then delay the salah, the first salah, and combine it with the second one, a delayed combination, so that it will be possible for you to make the salah after the day, after the landing of the plane. But however, if the plane does not land except, however, however, if the plane does not land except after the time of the second salah ends, then in this case, pray the two salah, the two prayers, in the plane, or on the plane, in accordance with your ability. So you direct yourself towards the Qibla and pray standing and bow if you are able. Otherwise, uh, lower your head to the best of your ability while standing. Then make sujood if you are able. Otherwise, if not, then incline in towards the sujood in the sitting position while in the sitting position this is with respect to the obligatory prayers with respect to the nafil prayers on board the plane the person prays that sitting on his seat 
and inclines with the rukua forward and sujood and making the sujood lower than the rukua. Alhamdulillah Rabbil Alameen wa sallallahu alayhi wa Muhammad wa alihi wa sahbihi wa sallam.